that's a fascinating life. I would love to do that just for the adventure of, I, I wasn't real spiritual at the time. It was more like, well, that's a pretty good, that's a pretty good adventure. I'd love to go somewhere unique like that. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 10 of What in the World. I am your host, Jake Lee, and I feel very humbled that I am allowed to continue to make and record these stories about what God is doing and has done through Elmbrook Church, that I get to help share part of the history, a small part of it, mind you, but a part of the history of the global church and the historical church. Uh, It's so fun for me. Um, I love doing these interviews. I love getting to talk to people who've spent their lives on the field and spent their lives serving God. So like I ask every week, if you are finding this podcast um, informative, if you are enjoying it, if it's motivating you to uh, love God more, to serve God, please let us know. Um, Comment, rate the podcast, but also a big thing is just getting it in front of people who also would find it encouraging or motivating. Share it with your friends, with your family, expose them to this podcast too, because the purpose of sharing these stories isn't so that I can just talk to myself, but so that more people would have the opportunity to hear what God is doing and get excited about that. Some other things that I want to make you guys aware of is that Harvest Fest is right around the corner. So if you're part of Ellenbrook Church or just in the general Milwaukee area, Actually, for this year, that doesn't even matter. Everything's going to be online. Um, We're planning on having Harvest Fest no matter what. Obviously, we want to have things in person if we can, but if you don't feel comfortable attending that or if something really bad happens and we are no longer allowed to host them in person, they'll still be happening. And so we're looking at the last week of October into November 1st. And so during that time frame, we are going to be having services, having uh, main sessions and breakouts, lots of really good stuff that you're going to want to hear and tune into. If you're in the area, we obviously encourage you guys to come to Elmbrook and check it out. But if you can't, it's going to be on our Facebook page. So first off, go to Elmbrook Church like it. It's going to be there. But in Elmbrook, there's also another group that's Elmbrook Mission. And we give a lot more information on that group as well. So welcome you guys to join that. And yeah, I'm really excited about what's going to happen at Harvest Fest this year. Now, before we dive into the interview I had with Nate and Don Kruger, where we talk about their calling story, as well as the organization they work with, we get to have another opportunity to listen to a cultural blunder story. And just a reminder, we share these stories because when we are following Jesus, when we are stepping out of our comfort zones and we are reaching across cultures, we are going to make mistakes. Uh, There are mistakes scattered throughout the Bible. And if you talk to anyone who has done ministry or has followed Jesus and tried to take steps of faith, they are followed more often than not with mistakes. And that's okay. Yeah, let's listen in to another cultural blunder story. We came back to the States um, toward the end of our time, and I was going to um, meet our oldest daughter's parents, you know, in London. And so I was really looking forward to this. Dawn had already met them. She made some trips back to the States. I hadn't met them. And I came all psyched for, you know, meeting these people. Now, they're in a different category than we are. They're, They're kind of, well, he's a lawyer. (laughs) <laughs> okay, that's something said, but they live in a different world than we live in. So I came prepared for the best 
And in Asia, you're supposed to really, you know, dress like the best. And you want to, you know, meet his expectations. So I dressed up. I mean, I, I wore my best Oxford shirt and my best um, uh, gabardine wool pants and slacks. And I wore uh, penny loafers and, you know, just dressed to beat the band. Went with my daughter to the front door of their house. And there he is standing in his tracksuit. You know, I, it was fine. I, I made a pretty good first impression, but I came to find out later that he thought I was way over my own, you know, place in society. But that's what you do in Asia. You've got to dress to impress or to to, to honor, yeah. <laughs> to yeah, yeah. honor the person that you're meeting. Mm -hmm. And so I was just a little overboard. <laughs> so basically you were operating in an Asian culture when in reality you had come back to America and you needed to switch back to an American culture. What was his reaction to that? Did he say anything? No, he was just... Later he did. He it was pretty funny. But we, we have the best relationships now. I mean, it's fantastic, but I don't have to dress up for him anymore. Good. Hey, everybody. Today, I have the privilege of interviewing Nate and Don Kruger. How long have you guys been field workers, actually? We're coming up on 40 years. Actually, this month, it's 40 years. Is August. It? Yeah, it was August 1980. That's crazy. Are yeah. you serious? I still can't believe it. I didn't know we were hitting an anniversary. I oh, know. Yeah. We finished our training with Wycliffe in, in the middle of August and got the acceptance letter and yeah. Well, happy anniversary. Um, one other thing I wanted to point out was that you guys had actually chosen to serve Elmbrook Church for a total of two years when you came off the field. And Nate and I actually had a little overlap in our jobs as well. We both served uh, in the James Place ministry, uh, uh, working on different sites, but both of us were in James Place at the same time. So you guys have tons of connections with Elmbrook besides just obviously being field workers for a long time. You guys have poured into and invested into Elmbrook, which all of our field workers do, but you guys actually for two years were living and serving um, the church, which is really cool. I think I, I wanted to point that out. Thank you. Thanks. It was a privilege for us to do that. Our history with Elmbrook goes back a long ways. I, My family started attending Elmbrook when I was a teenager, but then, yeah, Nate wanted to, when we came home from the field, he wanted to give back to the churches in some small way uh, and become part of their local ministries as well as their global ministries. So, yeah, it was a wonderful experience for us. For me, that's a really, really powerful thing to hear. Now in this current season, you have lots of people for Elmbrook who are moving into retirement age, which obviously you don't retire from God's mission, but with potentially an organization retiring. And just watching how you guys chose to move and transition into that, I find so cool because you wanted to give back to the churches that have invested in that ministry for so many years. And I think there's something so powerful about that because it wasn't like just your ministry. You understood it was God's ministry that churches got to be part of. And that's a lot of what this podcast is, is how has Elmbrook been able to be part of God's mission? And then you guys wanted to invest in those churches. I just, I love that. So, Nate, you are retiring. Is it this month? I should know this. No, at the end of the year. The end of the year. And then, Don, you're continuing to serve with SIL. Can you just explain what is SIL? Sure. Wycliffe and SIL were partner organizations from when they started back in the 30s, but in the last 10 years have kind of separated themselves into two discrete organizations that sure. work very closely together in Bible translation movements. So we belong to Wycliffe, but Wycliffe assigned us to work with SIL. So 
SIL is the linguistic organization, works mm-hmm. on the field. The goal of SIL is to see people flourishing in all areas of life as God intended them to flourish at creation, how we were supposed to be living. And we do that through language development systems. So we do literacy programs. We do children, mother tongue education programs, even programs with government organizations to try to help people, marginalized people get voice in the local government so that decisions that are being made can improve their own life and their experience of life. And then, of course, the overarching and crowning work of SIL's uh, work is Bible translation. So SIL, honestly, like, obviously translation is a huge part, like you said, of what you do, but it's much broader and much more holistic than just translation. That's a lot of what I think we're going to be talking about in this podcast, too, that translation isn't as simple as we like to think of it sometimes for Bible translation. All right, so the first question now I want to dive into is just your story. I would love you guys to just share a little bit about how did you guys get started in translation work? Just share a little bit of that. Well, that's a really long story. I'll try to make it <clears throat> short. <laughs> Do what you can. <laughs> but I grew up a, on the mission field. I was a missionary kid. It happens about a third of the time, I think. A lot of missionary kids are drawn back to it. I, for one, didn't want any part of it. I, did, I wanted to be normal, whatever normal was. So I set a course to be as normal as I could and met Don's family and thought, this is exactly what I'm looking for. I'm going to be just like them. They stayed in one place for 50 years, and I had moved so many times. That was my ambition, and I set about being a teacher, an educator in the school system or districts here in America. And I got into my student teaching experience, and right at the end of the student teaching, we had an outdoor education experience. I dropped Dawn off at home and went to a camp. And no sooner I got to camp, I got this phone call from Don saying, Dad just died. And there in front of my face was like eternity staring at me and saying, mm-hmm. what are you going to do that's going to last for a while? Yeah, Kind of rocked me to my boots. And suddenly I said, you know, Don, you've always wanted to be a missionary. Maybe I'd consider it now. So that's kind of how we got started. We mm-hmm. knew about all kinds of possibilities, but that's where we turned. Yeah. And if you think back, well... You can't because you're too young, Jake. But for any (laughs) listeners who may be closer to our age, back in the 80s um, and late 70s, the recruiting message for Wycliffe particularly, but missions in general, was, you know, we need to get the gospel out to people, particularly getting involved with Wycliffe. You asked what got us involved in Bible translation. What drew us to Wycliffe was the message at that time that said, you know, there are two things that last forever. God is eternal. But besides God, there are a couple things that last forever, and that is human souls and God's word. He said his word will never, will never disappear. We thought, what greater thing to contribute toward than the two things that last forever? translating God's words so that people can know God and Mm. live forever with him. That was the initial attraction to Wycliffe. We don't do Bible translation, but fortunately over the years, we've also realized that God's mission is far greater than simply saving souls. And that the work that we do through Bible translation and other ministries contribute to people's development are all part of God's compassion for this creation that he loves and building um, the space for God to have relationship with people here and now, not just in eternity, but that God can enter into their experience today and bring a difference into their life, that they can just flourish and, and do better 
because of God being part of their midst. Yeah, so over the years, we've contributed toward the work of Bible translation, outworking ministries from that. It gives me kind of this picture of Nate obviously coming back as a missionary kid, not wanting to go that route. Dawn, it sounded like you had that passion and desire, but then Nate, when you were forced to confront the reality of eternity, that really kind of shifted uh, some priorities for you, it sounds like. And then that led you guys to latch on to, at that time, an organization that was really pushing, let's focus on some things that are eternal, Mm -hmm. human souls and God's word. Uh, What about you, Don? Well, our family started going to Elmbrook when I was a teenager. And that was part of, that was part of the influence of my life that caused me as a young person to want to be a missionary as I grew older. The emphasis on missions and the emphasis that the training that we got at Elmbrook and the exposure we got to, to God's ministry around the world was unparalleled at the time. And so I was privileged to have been a child under Elmbrook's training and teaching. And then God used that later to bring us together and move us into missions also. And Elmbrook stayed with us the whole time. It's been a wonderful journey. Do you remember as a child, any specific moments where that kind of hit you? Uh, I remember a couple. Yeah, interesting. There was a there was a special speaker at church one night. That was when we still had Sunday night services. And the speaker was a missionary and had some slides and things. And honestly, Jake, you may want to cut this part out of the podcast. But when I looked at the slides and things, I thought, that's a fascinating life. I would love to do that just for the adventure. Of, I, I wasn't real spiritual at the time. Sure. It was more like, well, that's a pretty good, that's a pretty good adventure. I'd love to go somewhere unique like that and experience those bizarre things that the missionary was talking about. But then, of course, with um, Stuart and Jill there, and I remember them, Ian Thomas was one uh, speaker who came often, and, and Jill would talk about the ministry she had with young people in England, and they just always had stories of remarkable things that God was doing outside of the context of the church walls. And uh, because they kept emphasizing that and saying, you know, and then of course, oh, I remember the first, I remember the first Harvest Fest. I was a teenager at the time. Stuart and Jill had just started and they hadn't been there all that long. And they started the, the October Harvest Fest. And I remember the missionaries coming and setting up their booths and going from booth to booth and collecting all their pamphlets and things. And of course, in those days, mission agencies advertise mission differently than we do today. Um, I think we're pretty sensitive about cultural perceptions today. And so, but at the time there were some pretty exciting pictures in some of those (laughs) brochures. And so I went around and collected those and I don't know, it just all kind of fed together into guiding me toward this life. No, that makes a lot of sense. I appreciate you filling in that because I feel like for, I've heard this from a lot of people actually, with Elmbrook of how just those stories interacting with the missionaries, hearing what God's doing really pushes people to want to live this life of mission, this life of crossing cultures, this life of caring about things that are eternal. And in some cases really pushes people to want to consider moving overseas. And in others, it's just engaging with those in their own backyard. And the other thing you mentioned, Don, that I really found fascinating was this call to adventure. And I've actually heard a lot of people talk about this, kind of how this call to adventure was used to initially propel someone to look into mission, 
uh, similarly to you, but then the desire or the uh, heartbeat behind it uh, changed into a more biblical understanding over time. But what I love is just kind of a baseline of how Harvest Fest and interacting with people who are missionaries or we call field workers really has continued over the years to push people into God's work. And I just love that I get to be part of that. So I really hope you enjoyed this episode of What in the World, where we got to dive into Nate and Dawn's story of being called to a life to do things that matter for eternity. And I really enjoyed this conversation. There's actually a ton more to it. And that's why there's most likely going to be two more podcasts with this conversation I have with them. And the next two are going to talk more about kind of the variety of work that goes into translation, but then also just the kind of multicultural lenses that we need to understand scripture more appropriately. There's a whole bunch in there. So I'll save that for the next two podcasts. But for this one, I just really appreciate it their heart and getting to talk to them. And I hope you enjoyed that as well. And I also wanted to give one more shout out for Harvest Fest, that that is going to be October 24th to November 1st, if I am correct. And I am because I just checked my Facebook page where it's posted. Uh, once again, go to Elmbrook Church like that. Uh, go join our Elmbrook Mission Group for more updates. And yeah, come join us for Harvest Fest. We have a great uh, keynote speaker, Jenny Ellison, who is is uh, an expert on discipleship making movements, which we'll do a podcast about that sometime soon, is basically these explosions of churches being seen around the world. And when I say explosion, I'm talking like 10,000 churches in some of these movements that are happening in less than 10 years. You're seeing generation after generation a generation of churches being planted. And she has crazy stories. She's actually been part of seeing multiple movements planted herself. So yeah, you don't want to miss that for opening weekend. And then we got a whole bunch more, which I will talk about in our next podcast. So thanks so much for tuning into this episode. I look forward to talking to you next time on What in the World.